quiet on the set. Hi, and welcome to the Women in Film and Television Ireland podcast. My name is Fiona Kinsella. I'm a board member and I'm also a producer at Jumper Productions and Tile Media. Every year, the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival brings a wealth of inspiring films, local and international, to Irish screens. The stories being told and the unique voices in this programme are as bold and impressive as ever. For the second year running, Women in Film and Television hosted a special panel to spotlight the vibrant work of some of our members. I spoke with writer-performers Leslie Conroy and Andy McCaffrey-Byrne, as well as director Claire Byrne and producer Martina McGlynn about their projects, all of which are featuring at this year's festival. Hello everyone, I'm Susan Liddy, Chair of WIFT Ireland and Board Member of WIFT International. I'm delighted to welcome you again tonight to another fabulous WIFT panel chat. And tonight we're really delighted to welcome members whose work has been selected to screen at Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival 2022. So a really warm welcome to writers and performers Leslie Conroy and Andy McCaffrey-Byrne, director Claire Byrne and producer Martina McGlynn. We're really looking forward now to hearing about your work and also your thoughts at your work being part of DIFF, which is uh, no small feat. I'm going to hand you over now to board member and producer Fiona Kinsella, who will be hosting the discussion tonight. Thank you, Fiona. Thanks, Susan. And thanks, everyone, for taking part in the, in the talk this evening. First of all, congratulations on your films being selected for the festival. That's no mean feat. And I thought what I would do is I'd just kick it off by maybe getting everyone to just introduce themselves and say a little bit about their film. So um, I might start with you, Claire, if that's OK. <laughs> so my name is Claire Byrne and I directed a short film that's in the festival this year called Hello. And it's a very it's a very short, short like it's I, I know you've seen a Fiona, but it's hard to kind of it's hard to sum up the story without giving too much away. And it's a bit of a thriller kind of drama about two women on the phone, which is kind of uh, has become a little bit of a, an MO for me. Like it came from, it's another uh, short story out of the series of plays written by Tracy Martin called Harder, Faster, More. So it's from that series of short stories and it's, they all, they're, they're all stories that take place between two women over the phone. So um, the focus short I did, which was in Diff, 2020 that was that was the same that was two sisters over the phone so this is this is the same but very different and uh we shot it over in London so it was nice just making work outside of Ireland for my first time anyway so that was a bit of excitement and yeah it's kind of a bit of phone call that doesn't go where you'd expect it to go that's all I think I can really say (laughs) It's really, really good. And it really does go where you don't expect it to go. I did not <laughs> see that coming. <laughs> um, and why did you decide to shoot it in London? So the whole um, thing kind of came about because Parallel Pictures were the company behind Sister This. So we shot Sister This, obviously in Ireland. It was a Screen Ireland funded short. Um, but it like it's a, essentially in a, a parallel film. So Alan Maloney, who's based over in in London his friend was looking to kind of get involved and produce a short and she would star in it so the the lead actress who plays um the character of Lara her name is Sophie Cannell she basically came up with the funding for the whole project and she's London based and so we decided to put the whole world into London found an amazing location in London like this really kind of modern luxurious London townhouse and moved the whole thing over there and managed to get Alex Reed, who some people might know from Unorthodox. She played the the second woman and she's just incredible. So um yeah, it was lovely. And the crew we had over there were like our producer for the short, her name is Tina Pollock. She's the she's the series producer now, actually, for Top Boy. So we had a lot of the Top Boy crew because they had just finished their mm-hmm. shoot over there in London. So we were kind of 
handed this amazing TV crew like on a platter and it was all very big and fancy and new to me but it was it was just fantastic and met so many nice people through it and really like lovely yeah lovely crew members it's great and is this the premiere of the film or has it already been shown no this is the premiere yeah this is the first time it's like it's again it's funny like um it's not that it has happened that fast, but I think because it was created in the pandemic, it feels like all of a sudden now people are going to start seeing it and it's going to be in a cinema. And I haven't, like I had two shorts in the last two years that I, I never have seen in a cinema because of what's going on. So it's funny to actually be going to see something that I made with other people in the room. It's bonkers. And do you know when it's going to be screened yet? I think it's the Friday, no, sorry. I think it's the Saturday, the 26th. Okay. Yeah, in the Odeon. Brilliant. Yeah. And um, I think I'll, I'll move on to Martina now. Can you talk a little bit about your film? Yeah. Hello, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. It's a first for me here and a first to be in uh, Diff as well. So, um Two nice ones for me. So the film, uh, well, I'm wearing the producing hat this time around. I kind of dabble between producing, directing. I've tried the writing. <laughs> that, that didn't work out. So I uh, dabble between the two. And in this instance, I'm producing. Uh, the short is called Nothing to Declare. And it's a short documentary. Um, many of you might have are probably aware of the story. You know, it has a it it it's rumored to be an urban myth, but it actually did happen. Um, it's the true story of Keith Byrne and uh, his friend Noel, who in 1985 left their house in Darndale uh, and ended up in New York in the space of 24 hours. So they went from Darndale, got the the boat from Hollyhead then ended up in London and then from Heathrow managed to take a flight undetected uh, to New York. And the story uh, is about them uh, and how they did it, uh, why they went and where their lives ended up. And that's really it in a nutshell. Of course, there's, there's much more to it than that, but that's it in a nutshell. It's an amazing story. Um, I think we were talking a couple of minutes ago about the the radio documentary, yeah, uh, which I think is probably on the RT player. There's so much more in your film than uh, in that. It's just, but it's a, it's always an amazing story to listen to. Well, the, the, yeah, well, we knew. I, I suppose we knew we were on a winner because the documentary did so well. Um, it was made by the Doc on One in RTE, and it, it only featured one of the men, however, that, that was Keith. But we managed to track down Noel Murray um, a couple of years, well, when I say a couple of years ago, it was five or six years ago now. And originally we tracked both of them down with the intention of making a, a feature film about the story. Now that's still in the works and that's for another day. But we managed to get them together and um, it's a story that everybody in Ireland knows, you know, and it was on the junior star curriculum as well. So we were working away for the past couple of years, developing the feature. We have a script and all the rest of it. But during the lockdown, um, we decided uh, because we had this knowledge and because we had this extra knowledge about what happened, we said we really should be doing something with our time because the feature film, film had stopped because of COVID. So we got busy um, we spoke to the two men and uh, we started the process of uh, raising the archive and researching the archive, which was massive. And uh, we managed to get those extra little stories out of the two men that didn't come across in the radio documentary because there was only one of them. But something that we did achieve and we were really, really proud of was we managed to find the original two police officers that found them uh, just outside the airport in New York I never thought we'd do it, but um, we did. And uh, they feature in the documentary as well. So that for us was kind of the icing on the tape, on the cake, because it kind of verified everything that they had said up to this point. We, no, nobody really knew if they did all those things, but the two, the two police officers verified the whole thing and they had a re really good memory of it. So uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of one of the things we added to it. But I mean, it's, it's kind of difficult to, I mean, I could tell you the whole story, but it would take ages to tell you the whole story. You, you really do have to see it. How they did it was just unbelievable. They would 
get to uh, the airport just by saying we mass coming or they would get stopped by somebody and the two of them would hold hands and just kind of scoot through. Uh, now they did get stopped in JFK. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't plain sailing the whole way. They, they, were, they were halted in JFK and they were told to go over and stand over on the side and they basically waited for a couple of minutes and they scooted in themselves. So that's how they did it. Um, it, 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 it was a, it kind of a, a fairy tale up until a point. Um, and the, the, the part of the story that many people won't be familiar with is the fact that uh, shortly before these two boys made that trip, an Air India flight had blown up off the coast of Cork. So there was a lot of kind of heightened tension and I suppose security about that event. And because the two boys made their way to <laughs> New York on an Air India flight from London, um, things got a little bit serious for them for a while in New York because people thought they were involved in some sort of um, covert operation or that they had been pushed through, you know, to see if they could, you know, by, by terrorists or something, which of course they, they weren't. But they did spend a couple of hours in a boardroom, you know, with the chief executive and the board of Air India and some other, you know, high, you know, uh, personnel, uh, which was kind of tough for them. But apart from that, they had a brilliant time. They were brought all around New York by the police officers and they were brought to the Empire State Building and stuff like that. So yeah, stuff of fairy tales. And, and that's what it's all about. But they didn't get to meet BA from the A team. <laughs> no, I should have mentioned that. Of course, you're right, Fiona. The, the main reason for going to New York was to meet BA Baracus from the A team. That's how they justified it. That's why they decided to get on that plane, if you can believe it or not. But yeah, that, that was it. <laughs> I, um, I love the way the, the relationship between the two guys, even though I don't think they'd seen each other for quite a while, but there, there's this kind of closeness there between them at the interview. Yeah. It's really great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they hadn't seen each other in a very long time. When we brought them together the first time four or five years ago, I really wish we had a camera there that day because, you know, that would have been unbelievable to capture but um we got them together and they were up for it even those in the middle of covid and it was in the middle of covid times when we were all really afraid of covid uh they came and um sure the spark was there you know they, it just took them a couple of minutes and they were up to their old tricks again you know like they'd never been separated yeah it's like they were trying to figure out a way to get away and <laughs> go somewhere else. yeah 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 absolutely yeah it's funny how you know their, their lives obviously took different paths but really at the heart of it, there were just, you know, two young, young lads who were brought up in Darndale and had the same values, I suppose. And, you know, it went, when they got together in the end, uh, that, that spark came back. Yeah. And actually, just as a matter of interest, how did you go about finding the two police officers? Oh, my God, it was. Well, it, it, I won't go into all the details because we'll be here all night, but there was a lot of emailing. What I, ha what I hadn't established initially was that the police officers who found them outside the airport were actually with the New York Port Authority. They weren't actually NYPD, which was the mistake we had been making for months. Well, I'd been contacting the NYPD looking for these officers. We had one name and one man was deceased, but... Um, it turns out it was the Port Authority. I didn't really understand all of that, but when it all became very clear once it was explained to me, so I just wrote to their press office. Now it took about 500 emails because just before we did this, I went back, I was trying to remember the name of the contact I had, and there was hundreds of emails between the pair of us, but she helped me um, track them down. I just had one name. I had Harrison, surname of the sergeant who picked them up. And uh, from that, uh, they found him, he's living in upstate New York, and they found his colleague, Officer White, who was the, the, the man who actually picked them up in the airport. And uh, they, they, yeah, they, they helped us find them. But other than that, I don't, I don't know where we would have started. Like, a, no, not a clue. <laughs> but uh, it came good in the end. It's funny the way uh, Officer White was the first person who didn't fall for the meme trick. <laughs> Oh, I know. And he said, he, he talks about, you know, the, the, he said the young one had a mouth on him. And he said, as soon as I heard the brogue. Um, but yeah, no, they didn't. He didn't fall for it. He was obviously used to dealing with juveniles, I think. You know, he knew exactly what they were at. <laughs> and that's when it all came crashing down for the two, bo for the two boys. <clears throat> and um, I'll come back to you again in a bit, maybe when we're talking about how you got the production finance and everything. Um, but do you know when it's going to be on during the festival? 
It's the 25th or the 26th, but I'll, I'll check my emails while we're chatting and I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, um, I'll come on to Andy now. Do you want to talk a bit about your film? Oh, and also if anyone has any questions, put just put them in the chat and uh, we'll, we'll ask them later on. But um, Andy, do you want to talk a little bit about Sparkle? <laughs> yeah, sure. So um, I'm an actor and writer predominantly an actor and I was given funding this year from one of the Screen Ireland and Bow Street Actors Creator programs to well last year to come up with a film in the pandemic so my film Sparkle is about um the aerobics ban in Ireland in the 1980s is actually based on a true story so when I was researching I found all of these files that have been the archives for like 20 or 30 years and all of a sudden they were out um, you know they, they stay hidden for a certain amount of time and I just came across this um, article and it was titled Ireland was terrified that exercise would be the end of us all in the early 1980s and so I roller skate and I was kind of doing research on roller skate and I was like oh I think roller skate would be a great film to do and blah 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 so then I discovered this memo in 1982 from the Taoiseach's office to um, Nuala Fennell who was the minister for women's affairs at the time uh, saying that it wasn't to be endorsed. She was giving a speech about aerobics. And then there's all these newspaper articles uh, that were talking about how um, Jane Fonda's burn was dangerous to women's health, aerobics worries, the doctors, and there's like, you know, women in their spandex. And, and I just was blown away by this. I was, I kept, I was like, this can't be true. There's no way this is true. So that was sort of the inspiration behind my film, Sparkle, which is, based on a character called Irene Carr, who is in her 40s. She's having a bit of a midlife crisis. Everything's kind of crushing down. And then that's compounded when her eldest son tells her she's going to be a grandmother at 41 and that she can mind the baby when uh, his girlfriend goes back to work. So Irene inadvertently discovers aerobics and then the government try to ban it. So it was really interesting to do that. Coming out of a level five lockdown, firstly, we had sort of, four days to shoot, extremely low budget, um, which was a really interesting way of doing it. But we were very, I was very lucky with the with the team that I had. And I think all of the years of acting, I just called in every single favor from every single person I'd ever done anything for. I was like, do you remember that time? <laughs> but um, it just sort of took, grew legs with itself. I mean, we, we ended up getting a really famous song um, we we got a. I still get excited when I say it. We we got a um, take on me by Aha, um, which was just we, when we got that we couldn't believe. I couldn't believe that we got that song. So, um, it's a story really, I suppose, about family and I. I a lot of my influence came from like Strictly Ballroom and Shirley Valentine and the Snapper. So it's sort of a combination of all of those things, but to to realise that the themes are still very similar from the 1980s to now, you know, when you're looking at a woman who is overwhelmed and she's trying to just get through and there's all these things been put on top of her all of the time and society isn't helping with anything. They're just saying, oh, you found this thing you love, so you're not allowed to do that now. When I when I discovered the, the, the um, comparisons to now, I was, it blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe that this is so relevant today still and we're so, so far on, you know? Um, but it was challenging to do a period piece with a low budget, I discovered later, because um, <laughs> I threw the kitchen sink at it. Like I had a cast of a main cast of like 10 and then I had like extras and then we had a really big crew. But I mean, we pulled it off, you know, um, and I'm very excited. It's my first film in um, VDIF and um, first time as a writer, first time as a producer and an actor. And so I'm very happy with that. Congratulations. It premiered in Galway, did it? Or is this the premiere? We had an online premiere in Galway. So this is the first cinema premiere. Yeah, so I haven't actually seen it on the big screen yet. And, and so, uh, some of the cast and some of the crew haven't seen it yet because they were like, I don't want to see it on this, on the, on the uh, online. I want to see it on it, you know, on a big screen. So it's really, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see some aerobics and some 1980s uh, nostalgia. And yeah, congratulations on getting the song. Can I ask, how did you manage to get that? I was really impressed. <laughs> Our song. Yeah. Off you own the song. So when one of the really early cuts, because we shot the film and then I had never directed an edit before. So uh, we shot the film and I was like, 
okay, this is the easiest thing that I can't believe how easy this is. And then the edit came and I was like, oh my God, what is this? So uh, our director had put take on me over the end sequence just as a kind of a, a fill in. Mm-hmm. But once I saw it, I just couldn't unsee it. So everybody had said to me, my, my writing teacher is like, don't get attached to a song all the Zooms we did for Actress Creator, don't get attached to a song. Any person you spoke to said, don't get attached and definitely don't get attached to a popular song. You'll never get it. Well, I'm one of those people that's like, reads a story about one person who got it. And I'm like, well, I could be that one person. You know, this this one time you heard someone just rang Madonna and she's like, yeah, you can have into the group. So I was like, we're going to get it. So it's, it's actually, what happened was I got a girl I know, I know, I know used to work for Universal and she was on her honeymoon and I messaged her. I was like, I'm really sorry. I know you're on your honeymoon, but like, I'm trying to get a song. So she said, I don't know. You need to ring the Irish Music Rights Association. OK, so I said, grand. So when I rang them, uh, there was this weird hold music and there was like a woman singing. So when the guy, you know, you just press five, press this there wasn't a contact. So the guy, when the guy answered, I was, I said, oh my God, I thought that that was someone singing and they were really happy. So we kind of clicked and I started chatting to him about Sparkle and I was telling him everything to do with it and what it was. And um, I said, I have this aerobics footage from America. And he said, oh my God, there's this amazing thing. Cause we got this, this footage um, from, from uh, America of, of aerobics in the eighties. And the guy who I was talking to said, it's not the Crystallite Aerobics Championship, is it? Right? Now, that's what he said. That's what it is. That's what the footage is. <laughs> Who has ever heard of that? And I was like, what? I said, yeah. I said, how do you know what that is? And he said, I've watched 89, 88, 89, 85. He watched them all. He was a massive fan. So he was just like, I'm going to help you every way I can. So he said, just give me a few minutes. And he gave us his contacts then in Sony. And we just kept at It took seven months. But we just kept asking and asking. And my producer, Eva, now, Eva, she did a lot of, as well. And we just kept asking. So in the end, we thought we couldn't get it. And Galway was pending. And so we, I bought this like really crap synthy song online. And I was crying. I was like, with relief that we had a song. But with, you know, I was just like, I can't believe because I so was so convinced. And then Eva said, when we got that, so we're not going to bother with Take On Me, are we? And I was like, no, we are going to bother with Take On Me. We're still going to try to get it. So we just kept going. And then they came back to us and they watched the film. Aha, watched the film. Imagine Aha, watched the film. And said that they really liked it and they gave us permission. And so, yeah, they said we could have it for Now, we had to pay, obviously, but it was for a really small fee. So, yeah, we got it. So sometimes when everybody tells you not to do something, I think maybe just don't listen to them. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. And uh, finally, Leslie, um, can you talk a bit about The Cleaner? I know that it premiered in Cork and won Best Cork Short there. So congratulations on that. Yeah. Yeah, that's brilliant. That was an actor's creator film as well. Yeah, and even more sweet because I would have gone to all the Cork festivals growing up because I'm from Cork. So it was like, (laughs) yay. Um, Yeah, it was an actor's creator and it came from, uh, I basically started writing during COVID because I realised I had a lot to say about the world (laughs) and I had a lot of time on my hands. And... um, yeah, so Cleaner was a short that that won um, Scripts Ireland competition, and that really gave me a boost. I was like, wow, this is the first thing you write, and this is what happens. And I realized that I loved writing, and I loved crafting. I loved crafting stories and really refining um, what the story behind a story. Um, so then I approached... Um, so the so the lady who who played Angela in Cleaner, actually, I'm going to tell you what Cleaner is about. Let's start yeah. at the beginning. Um, so Cleaner is a, a story about a woman who cleans houses. Funny that. And she basically starts cleaning in this house that that she just is just loves the house and, and loves the world and um, and happens to strike up a friendship with the owner of the house who and the cleaner Angela's her name she's quite lonely and and quite um I suppose introspect introspective and her the woman she strikes up the friendship with the owner is really lonely herself even though she has a lot of privilege and money 
um, she's just as lonely and just as powerless as Angela. So I don't want to give away too much because it goes a certain way. Um, and then it goes another way. But it's, yeah, it's, I guess it was me having a rant about society and about those who have and those who haven't. And at the end of the day, what's important. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it. But yeah, and so Carolyn Bracken, who is the star of You Are Not My Mother, which I cannot wait to see, um, plays Maraid and I play Angela. And Carolyn played Angela in the monologue. So it's, it's a pretty sweet story. It's, it was a real family affair. It, was a, it came from a theatre company called The Core Ensemble. We're a collective. And Ed Milan is in The Core Ensemble and he directed Cleaner um, with a lot of annoying phone calls from me night, noon and, <laughs> and evening. Um, but yeah, I think we, we built a beautiful story. Um, and yeah, Evan Barry shot it. It's just so gorgeous. He, and I learned so much. I learned just so much what you can do with the camera to tell your story and to help tell your story. Um, that really lifts it off the page. And I loved the edit. I loved the power of the edit, power of re-editing. You know, we're cutting it again and we're, we're gonna take a few bits out because because it becomes a whole other story and, and you realize what's not needed really in an edit. Um, yeah, so there you go. And um, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about the Actors Creator Scream with both, both you and Andy. So how did you find that process? Andy, wasn't it like going to film school? It was amazing. It was amazing, yeah. Um, to, I think we were like obviously because we were the first ones doing it we were a little bit naive and as I said I didn't really know what I would in hindsight now going with the big story I picked and the big cast and the big you know it was a, a lot to take on however the learning in it there's like from the producing side to like the edit to running your set to casting it was just like you could never learn that I don't think in film school I think it was in the doing we learned so much as well and how to negotiate and what I learned the most really was apart from the fact of collaboration on your team which you can't do without is just people say yes you know this thing of I don't really want to ask or I don't want to I don't, I don't know where that comes from maybe that's a personal thing for me but uh, most of the things I asked for I got so that was a huge learning thing. And, and as an actor, a lot of the time you're sitting, and Leslie, I think you'll agree with this as well, you're sitting waiting. Whereas this um, scheme gave you the, the vessel, if you like, to, to use your voice. So you come up with your idea, you were writing this, you were acting in it, you were, it was all encompassing, you know? For, for me, anyway. Yeah, and I just loved the how um, supportive everyone was of each other, and like I'm in, I'm in, um, in a Hardwick's one, a lot. Of, I think Charlie is in somebody in Rory's one. Um, a lot of us were popping up into each other's in each other's films, which was great. Um, and I like to think that we've created a whole new network, maybe a new wave of film filmmakers which is exciting real you know auteurs which sounds really obnoxious but I you know just standing behind your story and and because now I'm doing a lot more writing and I think it it really helps when you write that you've some experience of acting um because it's it's like you're popping into the shoes of the character as you write and I'm really glad that I've got the opportunity to direct as well um, on a different short I did because it's given me huge insight into that. Um, so I think that's the real strength of the actor as creator um, as, as a vehicle. And just it just gives you, you take your power. Like Andy, you keep talking about standing into your power. Like as an actor, you're just waiting all the time. You're waiting for other people to make decisions about your life. And I just got tired of that. Um, 
Uh, Leslie, you've gone on to make another short and you're, uh, Andy, have you made anything else since? I just got funding for my next film that I'm directing. So that would be, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a new a community fund here. So I've gotten that. So that's the next thing. So I'm directing next. I'm very excited. I think if I hadn't done the actress creator, I might have pushed myself as much. But now I kind of feel with the writing and having to actually finish something, um, it helps you kind of find your voice. Because myself and Desi were having this conversation a while ago. When I first started writing, I was writing like Jackie Collins. She turned slowly, you know, like <laughs> it just wasn't me. You know, you're writing the way you think you're supposed to. And so it's taken me, I've written a good few things now and it's taken me to now to go, okay, actually, yeah, I think this is how I write or this is what I like or this is the vein I want to go. And for me, I want to go, you know, comedy is my kind of area. I feel that I'm, I, I, I'm strongest in, you know, but um, yeah. And Leslie, you're working on a couple of projects as well, aren't you? Yeah, I've, I've had a good long talk to myself because... Um, <laughs> I'm, I guess because I'm, I've just come out of the traps and I'm like, okay, everything, I want it all right now. And I've realized that that's not going to happen. <laughs> so I'm prioritizing. Yeah, like I really want to direct my own short this year. Um, definitely going to write one. I had all the plans and all the best intentions to put in for Storyland and Spotlight this year, but it was just one of those. Having two kids, um, and I don't want to use them as an excuse all the time, but it's a reality, you know, um, it, it does, it's a resource. It, it, they take, they take, they have to be brought up, No, you know, and, and that's, and I want to bring them up. Um, so uh, yeah, but what am I doing? God, loads of things Oh, big, but uh, something I'm very excited about is a playwriting um, uh, program uh, that the Arts Council have funded with the Mill Theatre. Uh, Deirdre Roycroft, Elizabeth Moynihan, some amazing um, writers on that. So that's going to keep me very busy. And yeah, just keep, just keep and make, coming up with stories. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Claire and Martini, you, you both write as well, don't you? Uh, um, how do you kind of balance that, Martina? <laughs> well, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I did, I tried to write. Okay. <laughs> and I uh, thought I was going great and got funding from Screen Ireland and everything and everything was mighty until they didn't fund me again <laughs> for the second draft. So I, I realised then that maybe, you know, it wasn't my calling. Um, so no, I've, I've stayed away from the writing. So I, I let somebody else answer that one. Well, I, I don't think I'm going to have much of a better of a better answer. I feel like I've gone down the same road as you, Martina. Like I I mean, I like I love it. And I'm where I'm writing a script actually at the moment with Karen Healy, who, you know, as well, Fiona. And we're lucky yeah. enough to have gotten a commissioned draft from Blinder Films, who are just amazing. But like that, I find it really hard. Like I do find the process of writing doesn't really come naturally to me and I'm just so much more of a visual thinker and a doer and uh you know I like to have all my tasks and go out and do them and I find that I find writing I love working with my partner Karen and that's a really good relationship but I really wouldn't trust myself to do it on my own if I had to I just don't think I have the uh the discipline to, to sit and stay so static and <laughs> and produce this thing you know it's it's um it's made me appreciate the craft like trying having trying to do it for the last year or so it's it's made me uh really appreciate writers and what they do and interestingly Karen is an actress as well so I think there's something really interesting in working with actors who write I think yeah totally yeah I think like coming from a, a director and an actor in a room like it gets very loud and it gets very yeah. like acted out and <laughs> we spend a lot more time reading than we do actually writing like we're constantly kind of acting the scenes out to each other back and forth and finding the voices of the characters and that's really fun and yeah like we she has she has such a good brain for um for dialogue and stuff because she's an actor so yeah it's 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 really great actually she, it's a great combination I think to have um as a skill set I think that's something that's come, come across in a lot of the actors creator shorts this year as well, that the, 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 they were really sharply written. Do you find it helps yourself, Leslie, when you're writing? 
Oh, I struggled so much with dialogue. I was terrified of writing dialogue. Like I was like, nobody talks like this. What is this? And I just, I ran from it. Um, I, I love creating an atmosphere or a mood or like, um, it's really hard to describe. I just love kind of the feeling of, of, um, of stories and, and of relationships and what's not said. So I think that's why I really resisted the dialogue as much as I could. And that's something, strangely, even though I'll happily say loads of words as an actor, um, I, I, there's so much you say in a look. And actually that's really true of Cleaner, that, that, that it's very, mm-hmm. dialog- there isn't a huge amount of dialogue in it. It's brilliant, it's so lovely. <laughs> yeah. um, how about yourself, Andy? How did you find your acting experience when you were writing the script? I think it's a different, I think actors write in a different way. And I had to, I, I worked with Colin McKeown. He's my, he's my script editor on Sparkle, my writing teacher. And I worked a lot with him because I, I had to kind of get that out of myself a little bit. Um, and I'd find I'd be writing stuff to be kind of cool. Do you know what I mean? Similar to the, the kind of Jackie Collins thing. But then I kind of found my flow because uh, as an actor, I, I don't know if every, every writer does this. Everybody has a different way, but you're living in this person's head. So you're going in and when you're acting, you feel the feeling because you want to and you love it. And that's the gig. And that's why I love acting. So you can go do, you can do that when you're writing, but you'd be wrecked. So, you know, trying to, I, I, sort of have a system now but I don't I find it difficult to just sit and write so I'd have a certain amount of pages a day I'd do I might do three pages or something like that but if when I get blocked like I'd have to paint a wall or there's this one time I pulled up the carpet in the hall my husband came home from work and I pulled the carpet upstairs I've been doing it had been doing my head in for a while but I just was so I needed to do something physical you know and then I'd go for a walk and then it all flows back in so that's sort of in a sense how I work but I see things in pictures so I'll get a flash of something so for for Sparkle I'd probably get a flash of this uh, you know I knew the relationship between Irene and then Mark Dunn who plays Mick the husband I, I kind of knew what I wanted that to be and so I could just see flashes of them in different kind of scenarios so for him fixing everything you know my dad would be like that my husband's dad would be like that you know an 80s dad who could just fix everything I was like how do our dads know how to just fix everything like how like they can just like put down floors or you, do you know what I mean like men like that I have two sons they can't do anything they can barely load the dishwasher I'm like how so I knew <laughs> inherently that that was something but I sometimes would see it in pictures and then I have to actually so the hardest bit for me is to sit and write out the scenes but when I get in a flow I'm fine so I handwrite everything I handwrite my scripts, my dialogue, everything before I type anything up, everything is is hand done. So I've kind of learned now I kind of need to sometimes just take myself off to a coffee shop or somewhere where I'm, no one's going to ring me or, you know, but it's it's difficult to be disciplined. I try every day to write something just so that I have that muscle I'm using because I've kind of come to the realisation now that this is it for me. Writing is where I want to be and what I want to do as well as acting. It's, that's just it. That's I love it, you know, so, yeah. Did you write the film that you're going to be directing? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's experimental as well because I'm going to be working with some of the young people here up near where I live. This is the whole premise that we're doing. It's uh, I'm kind of working off a similar idea that Frank Berry did, with, you know, I used to live here and um, if I could be, and Vinnie Murphy, who's my my um, acting teacher for years, Vinnie did something similar in the 90s up here um with the kids and, and I my my idea for this is that I wanted specifically young girls to know that they could act and direct I mean I've had conversations with lots of women and and female actresses in in the acting industry or the, the film industry and and the conversation that we're having was were you ever told when you were in school you could be a director you know you could walk in and you could direct a film and every single person I asked said no and I was like, oh, my God, if, so if I could just walk into somewhere and have a conversation with a young woman and say, you know, I live here around the corner, you know, um, I make films, you can make films as well. Do you know what I mean? Just so you can see if you can see someone that's doing something, you'd be like, oh, my God, I could actually do this. So that's sort of my whole ethos now with the next one. I want to work with the the kind of young teen. And it's it's based around the story of teens. And I don't want to give too much away because I'm very excited about it, though. It's, it's a story based from the area up here from the 90s. So, um, 
yeah, I'm hoping that, yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> uh, it's one of the, we have a question from Gemma. She's just wondering, where do you get your inf- inspiration from? Andy? <laughs> oh, me? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, well, the, for this film, I was looking for something else. I was looking for roller skating and then I found aerobics. So I don't know. I think sort of... <sighs> I, I see, I think I look at, I, I was thinking about this the other day and I think I look at the world through a weird comedic, in some weird comedic way. Humour is how I cope with things. So if, we're, if things are hard, we kind of have a laugh about it. If things are easy, we have a laugh about it. So I don't really know where my inspiration was. Some, I was a comedy improviser for years and I think I accessed that subconscious part of your brain where mad stuff just comes out of. So I could be, so I, I always find myself in situations that are insane. You know, do you ever just be somewhere and you're like, is this actually happening to me right now? So that happens, stuff like that happens to me all the time. So then I kind of just say, right, I'll put that in the vault. That'll go somewhere. Stick that there. Um, so, I mean, inspiration can come from anywhere. I can't touch you when walking down the road, you see something, you hear something. I mean, growing up, like the snapper to me is just one of the best things that I've ever seen. So that's kind of always in the forefront of the back of my mind. I like those kind of stories. I suppose you would call it working class stories, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> how about you, Claire? You you generally work with writers, but um, how do you find your stories, the films that you want to direct? Um, I guess, like, yeah, it's usually it's usually other people writing them, but uh, and I I have tended to stick to the same kind of pot of writers and I'm so lucky to get to work with people like Tracy Martin and I'm now working with more people on other projects and I think like I think it starts with the script and it starts what with what the script inspires for me I guess so say like with um with Tracy's if you took Tracy's two scripts say sister this and uh and hello I gave them two completely different treatments. Like they're very, I think anyway, that they feel very different. They both have a very different texture to them. Um, stylistically, like it's 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 all all very different. So I just try and kind of read the script and see how that story can best be served in terms of like what I come up with and what I bring to the table, whether it's the performances or, you know, the kind of um, the look and feel of the whole thing or the music or whatever. I just try and, kind of serve the serve the story as best as it can and and give it a shape a world around it that will kind of make give it the most impact I guess um so yeah I think if that answers that question I'm not sure but (laughs) that's great and actually I don't think I connected sister this and hello until you said that yeah so complete sense now yeah like I mean Tracy has this great way of writing like (laughs) these ferocious female characters and she just you know she has her her characters come out with stuff that you don't really get to hear women saying all the time and it's you know in this one I suppose it's it's different but in, in Sister This it was so refreshing just to hear like a conversation between two women that wasn't about any man or you know it was totally just about themselves and their their family dynamic and and what they had to do in that moment so um yeah she's always kind of throwing up really interesting female characters which I suppose is would would be a big inspiration for me that tends to be what kind of clicks with me the kind of stories that I that I get attached to thanks and Martina how about how do you find the films that you that you work on Books. I read a lot of books. Who doesn't? I love my books. We love the books in this house. Poetry as well. I'm inspired by poetry. Um, Music, of course. Um, Especially a bit of classical music or anything really. Um, Like some of the other girls said there, just the inspiration can come from anywhere. But I've tended to rely on other writers now. um, And the shorts that I've done, the, the couple of shorts I did more recently did, did pretty well. And I have another one now in the in the pipeline with uh, um, June Caldwell. She's a, uh, a writer and she and I have been uh, trying for a long time to get something together. And we're just about to to, to get the script going. She's um, an interesting writer because she's quite gritty. And I, I love that about her and that type of thing appeals to me. I, you know, I don't like the, the clean, 
sometimes, you know, I don't like the scripts to be too sanitized. I think it's the, the thing I'm working on with June is will be something special when it's finished and uh, shocking maybe, who, who knows? And uh, I tend to choose projects carefully. I tend to choose projects that are realistic and achievable. That's quite important to me because, you know, I've been, you know, you, you all know the rejections come hard and fast and we get used to them. But, you know, with experience, you tend to know what's going to what's going to work and what isn't. Um, and so that's where I'm at, kind of. I'm a bit choosy. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I'm just getting old, but I'm just getting choosier as, as I, you know, as I get older. But what I do and I think it's a, it's a privilege, you know, that uh, I can do that. And uh, I really enjoy it. So yeah, just to get back to your question, inspiration can come from anywhere, anything. And I think that should be the same for everybody, you know. Can, um, how far down the line are you on the feature film? For Well, we were, we were it, it was the case of, it's like two steps forward and three steps back. We were, we were struggling initially um, because we, we, had, we got a brilliant script written by Connor Ryan. This is the feature film of the story of the two boys. And Screen Ireland have been great and they've been very patient with us. Um, and uh, we managed to get a producer in the States and the, that relationship didn't work out for various different reasons. The budget was huge because it was, it's going to be a period piece and there's travel involved, you know the story, you know, airports, flights, uh, JFK, Heathrow, I mean, how are we going to do that? Um, so we looked at the script again uh, about two years ago. We, we, you know, changed it slightly. We adapted it a little bit to sort of help bring that budget down. And we managed to get Frank Marshall involved. And uh, that was all working grand. And we were delighted with ourselves and things were progressing, albeit slowly. And then COVID hit. And uh, Frank was working on uh, Jurassic World at the time. And that was hit. Uh, really badly by the COVID and he had to fly to London and he was over there for a very long time and so their priorities shifted you know and they wanted to finish the bigger films and they kind of put our film to the back burner a little bit now the relationship is still there but um, we haven't been focusing on it too much recently because we've been going you know gung-ho with the with the documentary but we'd be refocusing our efforts now again i think the next step will be a director we have to find a director um who would like to take this film on and i don't think we'll have too much difficulty there it's it's a brilliant script even if i say so myself <laughs> it really is charming and really hilarious and uh it's uh at the heart of it like you know there's just two two little boys and they're uh, a new york cop you know takes them in yeah and that's really the story at the heart of it all so you know fingers crossed that will all work out you know but we've we've other things on the go but i mean yes it would be a massive achievement to get to get that made and there's so much interest in the story you know you'd sort of think why can't we you know but if you're you you know this yourself <laughs> the you know they don't just happen and very often these things can be going on for five six seven years um so i'm not panicking yet you know doesn't let there be no panic. <laughs> um, there's a question, another question from Gemma. So how important is finding the right collaborators and how do you find them? I think you've already answered that, Martina. So I might just go to Leslie about that. Yeah, that's a brilliant question. Um, I remember when I got the, when I found out, when I heard I got the, the award, the Actors Creator Award, um, I went straight on, I, I hounded Frank Berry for advice and he was really kind. He, he, he was like, you can totally do this as a, as a monologue. He says like, I could totally see it as, as it's told within the story too. Um, but obviously you don't have the budget for that. So like Andy, I was like, people don't tell me what, what to do or what not to do. I'm like, it's going to get made. So um, um, I'm like, no, like, and. Frank's stamp of approval both ways was was you know so reassuring so I, I I just said it to Ed Milan one night I remember I was outside basketball my son was in training and I was in the car waiting for him and I said okay I'm just gonna chance my arm you know like, you know Ed you know you know the story you've seen the monologue come on like do you think you'd like to come on board and the back of my in my heart I was like 
I want this to be a feature and I want I want this production company to to make it a feature and that's just this big crazy dream and then the next thing you know they're putting the production company behind it and Ed was getting all the right people in place and brilliant location and just he made it look like a 20 grand short for two and a half grand and um so that's that's one of the importance but also I knew you have to look inside I think I think you have to really trust and intuit who you want to work with and who you trust and who you're going to trust with this because this has been a year like it's a short but it's been a year and it's only the start of the journey I feel so you read this in all the books you're going to be spending a lot of time with your with your people so make sure you all get on and and myself and Ed were like there were lots of heated phone calls over this time um he was so patient with me but uh and I with him (laughs) but but yeah like it's yeah you need to be able to like be able to slam down the phone but also be able to know to pick it back up um humble I don't know Martina's nodding there she's like yeah been there been there Um, but yeah so so it's I think it's really important and I think Andy said it people people want to help people will give you good advice and you never know people might say yes and always aim high like I'm sure there's loads of people out there thinking oh Andy or Leslie would never be in our films hey doors open you're (laughs) available But on, on that as well, what Leslie's saying, because our budgets were so low, you know, you're very aware that you're asking people to come in for very low or no money, you know? So like to, to have the right people, like I had my producer, Eva Derwin, she's actually working on the next thing with me. And I set up my own production company, Shine Bright Productions on the back of this. And then the director, Jared Walsh, who's a friend of mine I've worked with for years, he came in and I trusted them with but they trusted me because they said yes. So for me then I wanted to ensure that the film was the best that it could be. And that to be honest on the four day shoot, everyone had the best experience that they could have. Now that wasn't too difficult because on day four, we shot like a full aerobic scene with disco lights and the whole thing. And everyone had been locked in for months. <laughs> so when we, sh- when we yelled cut in the, we were in this big community center, everyone was like, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And we were laughing our heads off. We were like, yeah, because you've been locked in for months. So you feel like you've been in a nightclub. But little things with your cast and your crew. My poor husband was doing coffee runs like I don't know what. He was like, you know, coming down with the nice coffees for people. A nice coffee, not a garage coffee, a nice coffee. And we went over budget. We spent money money we didn't have. Do you know what I mean? But I think if you treat your 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 cast and your crew with the respect they deserve because they're coming and they're giving you their gift you know and they're agreeing and they're trusting you um and so your team is the most important thing you know that's to be honest that's all you have because they're the they're the ones that are especially your producers and your direct they're the ones that are going to pull you through they're the ones that are going to help you if you know the location says for us i think it was on the second or third day the pub had to swap with the house and it was all this and i just said okay i trust you and, and, and with your prep, obviously, your prep is the most important thing when you're collaborating with anybody because then everything's set up properly before you start. You know, your pre is key, I think. Um, but yeah, if you're lucky enough to get a good team, just be really nice to them. <laughs> Claire, do, do you have anything to... Thanks, Andy. I keep forgetting to say thank you. Sorry. Claire, do, do you have anything to say about collaborators and how you find them and how important yeah I mean like whatever like everyone's kind of said it already but when you find people that you do click with just cling on to them for dear life and (laughs) don't say no to anything that they bring forward because yeah it's it's just it's one of those things that it's kind of um it's kind of one in a million because it's tough like and it's tough to work with people sometimes and um especially in a creative sense, like not everyone's going to gel. And sometimes that's good. Like sometimes you do want a little bit of um, kind of uh, contrasting ideas or, or tastes or whatever. But I mean, yeah, we, we've been singing it from the rooftops, like me and my kind of, we, we feel like a little girl gang at this point, but um, like Emma Wall and Joe Halpin, the other two from Alfonso Films, we have just been 
um like it's you're making me think of it Andy by saying this kind of like you know we had nothing like five years ago when we were making these little shorts on buttons and we were just <laughs> making sure everyone was fed and happy and and felt looked after and uh and like it's really paid off and it takes a really really long time but like if you keep those collaborations up and if you keep them good and beneficial for you and them I think it pays off tenfold like it really does and even now I find collaboration with writers so important because that's where I that's my kind of where my talent really lies is taking someone else's story so I find nurturing those relationships especially with writers is is so important and because you need so much trust as a director for someone to hand you over their story you know so yeah I think it's paramount it's literally the, the most important thing from being a director anyway is collaboration okay I'm probably going to wrap it up there but before I do I'm going to ask everyone what's next for you and what's next for the your film so I'll start with Martina um well uh I have uh, an interesting project here in Offaly where um we are mentoring for young up-and-coming directors uh, and a cinematographer and um, an editor, uh, all from the county. We've been given funding um, from Offaly County Council to make a short this summer. So I guess they will shadow direct or indeed some of them will be well able to direct. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to working with some new people. So that's the first thing. Um, I have this short uh, that uh, I'm working on with June Caldwell. And there's a feature in the pipeline too. That's down the line a little bit though, but it's um, a gothic horror and Aoife Bradshaw is writing that. Um, so that's that's in the mix as well. Um, so I've plenty to look forward to and plenty to keep me busy. I think there's someone behind you as well. Oh. I want your attention. <laughs> oh, hi Marcus. Just give me a minute. <laughs> well, it's fun. I didn't see him. I actually probably <laughs> he's just lurking there. Sorry. <laughs> I think he'd be warned. <laughs> Claire, what, what, what? How about you? What's next for the film, and uh, what have you got coming down the pipeline? And <laughs> um, I don't. I can't say what's next for Hello. To be honest, I don't know. We, yeah. It's 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 very new. Like Diff was the first. Diff was the first festival we submitted to. So I feel incredibly lucky to have gotten in and obviously to have it kind of, it's very, it's a very much a, a London made thing. So to have it kind of play first on my home turf is really special for me. And obviously Diff is just brilliant. So, um, so yeah, after that, I really don't know, but I'm excited to kind of, for people to see it now. And, um, and then myself, like similarly, just the same, the usual thing we're always doing, juggling about seven different projects and uh, throwing loads of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. But yeah, a few kind of features and um, kind of in development, in various stages of development and uh, working with with writers like Lynn Ruan, who's just amazing and still with, working on other stuff with Tracy and then Emma Wall as well. And I'm not sure if we're able to say it, but we're a part of Jets this year, but I'm sure we'll oh. be able to say it by the time the podcast is coming out. So that's that's taken up a lot of our February, which is really cool. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff. That's brilliant. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> and Leslie, how about you? Yeah, 2022, is, I'm going to really nail down writing. Um, that's the plan. Um, I'm doing a course with the writers factory in limerick with eleanor yule and it's it's incredible it's really helping me understand because I, I jumped into writing intuitively whereas this is really helping with the craft um so i just i really just want to work on the craft this year and i'm trusting i'm, I'm trying to let go of having too much surety and i'm trusting everything that's going to come and also just building up my folders of ideas um, that so that they'll be ready to go when I'm ready. Thanks, Leslie. And Andy? Yeah, so the, the funding um, for the short I'm going to be doing with the, the young people up here is, is next. That's all going to start kicking off soon. I'm going to direct that. Um, with Sparkle, I'm not sure where it's going to go. I, I have um, pitched an idea to develop it into a TV series and maybe make it more contemporary, you know, not necessarily 
set in the 80s, maybe a family gone through something similar um, set kind of in, in contemporary Ireland. Um, and then I'm, I'm working on um, another piece that's a female-led comedy and there's there's four women in this and um, they're trying to escape from their kind of drudgery of their lives and it's it's yeah I, I don't know where I'm going to go with that but it's it's kind of based on you know there's a woman there's two women in their 40s one in their 50s one in their 60s I just like the idea of looking at them and where they are in their lives um so yeah so that's kind of all coming at the moment and then I'd like a couple of acting gigs please thank you where I can just rock <laughs> up and be like yeah hiya just give me the script I don't need to write it for myself so I'm putting that out now that I'd like a little bit more, um, you know, acting work without having to make it myself. Because as 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 brilliant as that is, because you can write for yourself and you can write these characters. Um, we do need a lot more of that so that, you know, people who are actors can can work and that we're not always, you know, having to make our own our own stuff. So maybe something with Sharon Horgan would be nice, you know, wouldn't mind something like that, maybe. <laughs> I'm ready. So yeah. Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, uh, Andy, Leslie, Claire, and Martina. Thanks for taking part and congratulations again on being selected for the festival and best of luck. Enjoy. Enjoy the fun experience. Thanks, Fiona. Bye everyone. If you would like to support Women in Film and Television Ireland or follow the work we do, log on to wft.ie. To book your tickets to these wonderful films, log on to diff.ie or diff.ie.